Welcome back to the Birth Nurses Podcast. This is Shana Brickner, and I'm here with Liz Wade, my co-host. Hi, Liz. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. And today we have a guest named Susie. She is going to just join us in the conversation about childbirth education. Sounds great. And the importance of it and why... Um, why we want everyone to have birth education before they give birth, either in the hospital or the home birth or birth center. It's so important. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host, Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing, too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. So, um, yeah, Susie, we would love to hear from you. Where are you joining us from? And introduce yourself, please. Hi, my name's Susie Beers. I work in Seattle. I am a doula and childbirth educator. Um, I've been in the birth world about four and a half years. I've attended over 200 births as a doula. Wow. And my, um, my passion has always been education. It's actually where I started and what I wanted to do, but then I felt very quickly that it doesn't make sense to teach something that you're not actively, if you're not actively in the, with clients. So um, I love working one-on-one with my clients and that has been just so rewarding and also so eye-opening to, you know, live so many, many different stories um, mm. from the, the easiest to the hardest to so many variations of, of how birth can unfold. And do you do home birth and hospital birth doula? I do. Most of my births that I attend are in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'd say about one of 15-ish are mm-hmm. at home. Great. Um, and I also do set up labor tubs for, for home births. So I've probably set up or been a small part of about 200 home births, but not... Um, because it's pretty parallel. I always seem to do about right. the same amount of doula clients do. Um, but those are more like I'm in and out at the beginning and the end and um, just seeing seeing, seeing the, the not there necessarily for the whole story to unfold like I am as a doula. That's so great. Yeah, I love it. It's very rewarding. Fantastic. I love it. What got you into this work, the birth world and doula-ing and educating clients? Yeah. So I actually started my career in economics. I studied economics and loved public health. Saw very quickly that um, there was a big need for in, in women's health. And I had a passion for that, but I actually went into work for an investment bank and that was great. Um, but then when I had my first daughter, Zoe, um, my birth was a bit overwhelming and the experience, it wasn't the start to mo- the strong start to motherhood that I had expected. It turned out to be way more challenging than I expected. And I felt so alone during the whole thing. And I had also had um, previous miscarriages and losses, so I had a lot of fear through the whole journey. Mm. When I was pregnant with her, we didn't do much to prepare. Um, And I just saw like the way that I went through the experience versus the way that some of my peers went through the experience. Um, And then after Zoe was born, I stayed home. I volunteered with a really great mom's group called Hike Up Baby, which I very much recommend. I think they have locations all over the the U.S. now. But we'd go hiking every week with our little ones. And one of the friends, the very close friends I I made there was a a midwifery student. And she was 
particularly doing the C certified professional midwifery. So she was Mm -hmm. mainly doing home births. And as I heard her stories and saw the way that she was interacting with her patients, I realized that I had missed out on developing really trustful relationships with my care providers and that I didn't really know how to ask for what I needed. And I hadn't had enough foundational knowledge of what birth would be like to actually be prepared to meet the challenges that I would meet in different different phases. Mm. And so when I was pregnant again with Hazel, um, my kids have quite a big age gap. They're four years apart. I think I just overprepared, like crazy overprepared. And my midwife was so great. Most of our appointments were about an hour long. And she would talk me through every single thing until I had worked through my anxiety. Um, And I just really, really appreciated that time and attention that she gave to me. And it was really life-changing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So after I had Hazel, I had such a great experience. I was like, okay, I've always had a passion for for public health. I really want to be a childbirth educator. And so I began studying for that. And as I was doing that, I was like, yeah, but I also feel like I want to work one-on-one with people. And my doula was she was so impactful in my life. I figured that those two things would go together and the certifications kind of you can do simultaneously. Um, So that brought me into the birth world. I started about, my first birth was where I was a doula was Halloween night in 2019. So I've been doing it ever since and I love it. Fantastic story. Wow. That's amazing. When you said... Yeah, it is. When you said like my kids are a big age gap and they're and I thought you were going to say like 7 years or 8 years. All my kids are 4 years apart, my three kids. So, and that's just that's what we wanted actually because I was really young when I had my first. But I love that and that seems to be a theme for a lot of birth workers is how their personal birth experience went and the care that they received from someone um, really impacted them and um, and set them on this path to be in birth work. I love that. Yeah, Amazing. it is special when someone does something that really impacts your life and you see, you have the thought like, well, maybe I could do that too. I see why so many people yeah. have that story, similar It's such stories. a departure yeah. from economics. I mean, such a departure from... Right? <laughs> I love you. Yeah, are you using any of your economic skills? (laughs) I I feel like there is so much overlap, especially, I don't know. I don't know, because I loved the research and the, I feel like that's something that as as a, a doula, I'm always in the journals and it's really helpful to be able to understand the statistics and um, oh, that's true. The yes. way they ran their numbers and how they Evidence got to their results and, and yeah, why yeah. those are so, yeah, yeah. And so Definitely. I feel like a lot of the skills that I learned there are very, very relevant to what I do now. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you're looking at evidence or you're looking at research and you start really starting to understand the difference between decent research and research that is so skewed or in a population you know, a very specific population that has really nothing to do with the population you work in. So research, you think Mm -hmm. all of it is, um, you know, very um, specific, Um, but it really, it it turns out to be, there's a lot of published research and evidence that doesn't really apply to the clientele. And you have to address each clientele as in that person's regular life and where they live and what their Mm -hmm. education is and how they learn. So I do find some of the research and some of the things that are considered um, evidence-based, I question some of it. Yeah. Well, we all come to birth with such different different mindsets about how our body works and the type of care we want. I know as a doula, I work with people who are like, my number one concern is I don't want to feel pain. Sign me up for the epidural. Just get me out of pain as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. And I work with Mm -hmm. other people who are like, 
very distrustful of medical systems and interventions and are like, I'm not scared of labor at all. What I'm scared of is is somebody stopping me from from pursuing my goal of a natural birth. And so, you know, it's very, there's, there's very different um, needs with those different types of personalities. And so right. it's good. Like I know I've had to develop tools for how do we meet people where they are and help them be successful with what they want and access the different tools around them. Because some of those tools are going to be external in the system and you have to know to ask for what you want. And some of them are internal as far as like your breathing and your coping and and it doesn't really matter how you're birthing, you actually need to know about all of it because right. birth plans can change and they have to change and sometimes it is fine to to be everything does stay on track and sometimes you get challenges that you weren't expecting and you need to know how to like step up to that new challenge that life gave mm. you. So so unpredictable. Yeah. The journey in labor, I mean. I think people, when they want specifics, I tell them, I don't know. We're going to find out together over the next 12 hours. We'll f- we might discover some things that uh, we hadn't even thought of here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that is unique to you, Susie, which we were talking about before we pushed record, and I would love for you to share here, is your personal birth experiences, because your first birth was very different than your your second. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I've actually like bounced between care a lot. Um, I have two daughters, and I love them both, but they came into the world wildly different ways. And I also had a molar pregnancy before oh, my goodness. I had my 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 first daughter. So a molar pregnancy, basically I didn't know what was going on, but my pregnancy, my first pregnancy was very wild where I was like super sick and losing a lot of weight. And I had started care with a midwife. She was very dismissive of how sick I was. And so I eventually switched care to NOB because I was like, I know something is wrong. I'm the only pregnant person I know that's like losing weight and I know it's normal to be sick, but like I literally am so sick, I can't like, I can't survive. And so I switched care, went to an OB group and they helped me look into what was wrong. And it was so, they were so compassionate and so supportive. And um, I ended up having to do a DNC. They did the ultrasound, and it was so devastating when you see that there's no heartbeat. And um, I think I was about uh, four, 13 or 14 weeks, so I was really, mm-hmm. it was a big loss, and it was very sad. And um, after that, I had to do blood draws for, it took about a year before mm-hmm. I was back into like a healthy norm and could get pregnant again. And mm-hmm. luckily, I got pregnant very quickly. Um, and I stayed with that group because they had been so compassionate and so caring when something was, when I was going through that, that big, big thing. But then when I was pregnant now with my normal pregnancy, our, our, um, appointments were like 10 or 15 minutes and it was a big group. So I was seeing different people every time. And I think I had a lot of fear around birth and loss because it had affected me so deeply to go through that that first experience. And our 10 or 15 minute appointments didn't really give me space to to explore those anxieties. And I had, at the same time, I had um, several friends that were pregnant. One of them worked with me and they were, um, they had actually hired a, a doula to come do, like teach one-on-one classes. And they had invited me and my partner, my then husband um, to go and we didn't want to. So my husband was very, well, now ex-husband, but he was very into everything had to be very natural. And so the expectation was his mom did natural births. I would do natural births. And so that was just like the expectation was like, I would just do it. And so um, my when I had asked my OB about that, he had just said like, well, I don't see very many people successful with it, but you can try. And I was like, okay, I guess 
I'll try. But we didn't really do anything to prepare. I had read one hypnobirthing birth and worked really hard on building like a bubble of peace where Mm -hmm. like only good vibes would come in. And I actually learned like no labor skills in that. Um, So when the day of her birth labor, when labor started happening, right? Like I started having contractions, my water broke. Um, We went to the hospital because my water broke. And I had very strong emotional reactions to, to contractions. I was, they were painful and they were hard. And the little information I had had made me, had kind of built a wedge of distrust, I think, between the hospital system and my care providers and me. And at the same time, I was at a hospital that had a very high C-section rate. So I think that maybe there was... Um, if I had worked a little bit harder to build stronger relationships or to work through my fears. Um, but I didn't, right? Like my, my thought was like, I'll let them take care of me. And um, my, my husband's thought was like, it's easy. My mom did it, so anyone can do it, you know? Um, so once we got to the hospital, my labor stalled. And then we started Pitocin to pick things up. And that was very you know like in my my framework from the the hypnobirthing was like okay now invention interventions are happening and I ended up getting an epidural and I kind of went into I think the like you know how people can go into like fight flight or freeze I think I went into freeze mode because I didn't know how to ask what I wanted I felt very scared I felt very overwhelmed and I felt very much a sense of something could happen to me or my baby and so when she started having heart rate drops I was like you know just like as scared as you possibly could be and then we went into eventually made a a proper decision to go into surgery Um, I had a surgical birth but I had very, again, very strong reactions to the medication. It was very scary. And I got to see Zoe briefly. They like, she was born, they swaddled her up, they held her by my cheek so we could take a picture. And then my my ex-husband, her dad, and her left. And they finished the surgery. And then they like wheeled me into a recovery room and just left me there by myself. And so it was really, really overwhelming because it was a dark room. It was the middle of the night. I was shaking profusely. I didn't know if my baby was okay. And there was like, I'm sure there was like in retrospect, I'm like, I'm sure there was a button where I could have called a nurse, but I didn't know that. And so I was alone and terrified and scared. And it was actually like a couple hours later when finally um, Zoe and her dad returned and things were like good from that point on. The the nurses in recovery were so helpful and so so nice. So I had a lot of trauma from that experience. Yeah. Um, and so when I went to have another baby, I had a lot of trauma to work through. And luckily, I had people in my t- team that helped me. And I had also had a lot of education about like learning how to ask for what I needed instead of um, expecting that they wouldn't answer, right? Mm. And so with with Hazel, I think I explored every single what if, like what if I have a uterus rupture? What if this happens? What if that happens? And Mm. my midwife would just talk me through, okay, this is what it would feel like and this is what we would do and this is... Like, this is what a hospital transfer looks like because I did choose to do a home birth um, with her. And it was really, really restorative to to have my, my questions answered in such a deep way. And for me personally, I found a sense of safety. When I was at the hospital, I did feel like there was a lot going on there. Um, I know when I work with people at the hospital, it's usually like a one-to-one ratio with one nurse to one patient. And... I think that my nurse had had like several patients, which I don't I don't know oh, no. if that's normal um, at that hospital or not. I knew nothing about about birth when when Zoe mm. was born. I knew very little, um, but I liked that I had my midwife and her student and her assistant and my doula, who was also finishing up schooling to be a midwife and had attended like 
hundreds and hundreds of births. I was like, I feel like I like that there's like these like four people to one that will be eyes on me the whole time. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and here in Seattle, we have a great um, relationship between our midwives and OBs. So I had done a consult with an OB group too. And so I had, I had like a team I would basically transfer to if, if at any point through the process I needed to risk out and go into the hospital, which was mm-hmm. 10 minutes away. So it was a very, very simple experience with Hazel where my labor started at nine in the morning. I was supposed to actually have a, um, a prenatal that day. And so I just called my, my midwife, um, Dr. Um, anyways, she's a, a naturopathic doctor too, but I just called her up and said, I think I'm having contractions. And she was like, okay, I guess I'll see you at your house instead of you coming here. And so then a couple hours, you know, my team was there. Someone came and set up a labor tub. We took some walks through the neighborhood. It was just a very, very simple and straightforward experience. Um, at some point my water broke. At some point I got in the tub. Um, I... Hazel was a 10 pound baby. She was huge. And it was like, I don't know, like, wow. I didn't, it didn't even like occur to me that I was giving birth to a big baby and everything went like more perfectly than you could imagine, especially coming from, from such a stressful history. So it was really, I feel like I Mm. got extraordinarily lucky because, um, it's like all, anything that could have lined up to be as a as ideal and as simple as possible lined up for me with labor starting like first thing in the morning. And then I was done by nine and 9 PM, just that easy 12 hours. Um, So I got really lucky. I think, I think I had a lot of preparation, but also met with some luck. So it was a great experience. That sounds amazing. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high risk pregnancies? Because there's gonna be more interventions often in the high risk mom and getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is gonna bring them up and getting prepared for what's gonna happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety and a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. That's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery, I how, think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I just had an appointment with my OB and I don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) I'm at birthandbeyond.net. And like, I love that your midwife focused on the things that were most important. Like you were surprised that you had a 10 pound baby. If if you had been seeing an OB, they would have done several ultrasounds. They would have told you, oh, the fetal head looks huge. Like this is going to be a big baby. We probably are going to do another repeat C-section and like not even give you a chance to have a vaginal birth and then let alone a home birth after a cesarean section. So I love that the midwife was like, we're going to work through the trauma that you experienced. We're going to talk through all the what ifs, but the things that 
won't impact you, we're not going to talk about those things. And yeah. And then it worked out so well. Well, and I also want to give a big, big shout out to the OB group that I met with because they knew that I was doing a home birth and they didn't interject with any like any fear-based things. They were just like, okay, we'll, mm. we'll be here if you need us and we're glad we met you and wow. we're supportive of your plan and we're here. So they were also like very... That's so cool. I mean, they did, I mean, I think they, they did bring up like, these are the things you need to be concerned about, but that gave me a framework to mm-hmm. explore all those what ifs. Um, and I think that's a big difference yeah. from my my first birth where I was very much trying to create that bubble of peace where what ifs, I was trying to pretend what ifs couldn't happen. Whereas in my mm. second one, it was like, well, let's explore these anxieties and make sure that I know that they exist and recognize that they exist and then go through yes. the process of bringing those anxieties under control to a point where I know I can't mm. control the outcomes. I can't control what, what ifs could or might happen, but I will know that I'll have the skills and tools and support around me to be able to meet them right. if they arise. Mm. Most important thing. It gave me a much different sense of safety and peace. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I with Zoe, I was looking for peace, but I wasn't willing to do the work of exploring what that would actually take to create. And the collaborative care part that you had a group of obstetricians who were not off-putting regarding your experiences with a doula. So that's really helpful. That's hard to find. And um, there's a few, you know, down here where I live in Los Angeles, but there are generally not a lot of big groups that are willing to do collaborative care with uh, home birth midwives or midwives at all. Yeah. So that sounds great. We're trying to change that. So wonderful. I love that you have that experience. It yeah. will happen. Those relationships take years to build. So they do. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of your own story? I mean, I know there's a balance, and Liz and I experienced this too, and we're talking with our clients, but how much of your own story do you share with your clients during your classes? And What's kind of the philosophy of your class, if you want to get into that, um, just to, yeah, yeah, talk about those kinds of things. I mean, you said hypnobirthing wasn't quite your thing when you were going through labor, but do you teach hypnobirthing concepts? Yeah, that's a, a very good question. So I actually don't really believe that there's one type of birth that is better or worse than another. I'm very supportive of moms who who want epidurals and I'm very supportive of moms who want to do things naturally. I think that the things that stick out to me are you need to be able to build a really positive relationship with your care team, a relationship that is based on earned trust and conversation. And um, I, I can tell you incredible stories of patients that I've had that have had very opposite experiences for mine where they wanted to give birth at home, but, um, you know, their, the risk in their birth was so much greater and have had exceptional care in the hospital. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a, a location type thing. Right. Inside my class, the things that we talk about are, these are the things that can affect your birth. This is how your body works during the labor process and the hormones that affect the labor process. And, um, we talk a lot about, um, something that's really important, which is like closing the stress cycle. Because if you think about fear, tension, pain, fear being something that can affect your hormones, which can then affect how you labor. Um, I think that was very clear in my, my first birth where once I hit that fear thing, nothing, like I went from having like those steady, super steady contractions to none. Um, and it didn't matter what we did to try to boost it without addressing the fear, right? Um, if you're wanting to do a natural birth tension that leads to, you know, like you tense your body, if you think about like trying to do anything when you're tense, you can squeeze your fist so hard, your arm shakes. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong, It, but 
you're going to have those phys- physiological effects until you can get rid of the tension, which then leads to pain and then more fear and more tension, more pain. So we talk a lot about that cycle because it affects people whether or not you have an epidural. If you have an epidural and you can't address your fears and your worries and you can't have a conversation about that, you still could have your birth affected by that like I did. Um, but if you have tools to, to talk about it and to get the support that you need, um, then most likely you can work through that and you can then, you know, your body can release the oxytocin. If you don't have the adrenaline in your body that is um, kind of working, makes it difficult for your body to use your oxytocin, um, your, your body really does know how to labor, right? Like most of us, mm-hmm. in, if, if we were in this ideal and perfect dream world, the fact that labor is is natural and our body knows what to do is true, right? And so we work really hard to build that sense of trust in ourselves and in our teams. And then also knowing like different things that can affect your labor as far as movement and positioning and thinking through, okay, when it comes time to deliver a baby, what are the sensations going to feel like when it comes to pushing and how is that different with an epidural or without an epidural what will you feel um because if you know what to expect then you can have that choice when you have the um sensation you can work on what your reaction will be and you can work to build peace and safety and then you can have like a positive feeling towards the, the effort and the sensation instead of feeling like, oh, these contractions are something angry coming at me. You can have the point of view of like, oh, look at my body working really hard. I can be a part of this process and we can do this together. Hey there, it's Shana Brickner. I am an international board certified lactation consultant and a former labor and delivery nurse. I want to let you know something really exciting. I can accept insurance for lactation visits. If you have Aetna, Cigna, Oscar, United Healthcare, Tricare West, or HealthNet PPO, then it is very likely that we can have six or more lactation visits completely covered by your insurance. This can be a home visit or a virtual visit. If the financial side of things have been holding you back from setting up an appointment with me, don't let it. Email me or go to my website, www.preparented.com, to schedule a visit with me for any lactation issue. I can help you with low or high milk supply, clogged ducts, pumping, latching, bottle feeding, tongue tire, lip tie, using a nipple shield, positioning difficulties, introducing solid food, or weaning. I'd love to help you reach your parenting goals, your breastfeeding goals. So please reach out to me. My email is shana at preparented.com and then my website, www.preparented.com. Yeah. Amazing. Agree. A thousand percent. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm sure Liz sees this in the hospital all the time, but it's the, mm-hmm. even someone wanting a, a more natural birth per se, you know, unmedicated. We, we have an episode about this, a birth plan. And are you holding on too tight to the birth plan? And whether your birth plan is unmedicated or let's get an epidural immediately, if you're holding on to those things so tightly, that affects your that fear cycle, the tension, the pain. If you're not getting what you want, if you don't know how to ask for what you need or what you want um, and communicate. And I think that's the baseline of, of birth education and laboring, birthing in the hospital or home or birth center is being able to communicate well and have the people on your team who, who you've communicated with beforehand who can then advocate for you as well. Yeah. I don't think I've ever worked with a mom that didn't have some level of fear or doubt or or wonder or worry about the outcome of their birth and so it's really important to know that like it's natural to have those and it's okay if mm-hmm. there it comes in waves right like it's not 
like one moment where we feel worry and another moment where we feel confident. It's kind of like um, a Ferris wheel where those doubts and worries come up and we overcome that doubt mm. and worry and we feel okay. And then later something else might come up. But the point is that we're always bringing ourselves back to the point of where we're feeling okay yes. again. Yeah, absolutely true. And I, when speaking back to the birth plans, I like to read the language of which the patient writes it out. Sometimes it's just sort of a checkoff list they get on the internet. But when you read the birth plan and there's finite statements in it, like absolutely under no circumstances or um, very specifics about the room, the way that we communicate with the nurse and who we communicate as a nurse with, right? Who's who's has agency in the room? If the patient's deferring to other people, um, if it's collaborative, I like my patients to know in class, my students, that those are the kinds of things that you want to try not to give up when you go into a hospital setting. And I think that getting permission to talk to the whole group, you know, and trying to foster a relationship between the nurses and the doulas can be beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And we are very lucky. I feel like in Seattle, we have a lot of collaborative care. So Mm -hmm. there's, it's all about, I feel like everybody here is more interested in building bridges than competing. And so, so great. We are, we are very fortunate in that way here. So great. Basically, what I'm hearing is we all need to move to Seattle to have babies. So we're we're inching our way into so that here direction. I go. We are definitely inching our way into the direction of more collaborative care. Absolutely. And, well, yeah. um, even if collaborative care isn't popular, I always tell this to to my clients who are in situations that they maybe don't want to be in. But if you go to one care provider and they're not listening to you, if they're not treating you with respect, they're also not your only option. Right. And I can say that when people are willing to be not demanding, but open and vulnerable and honest, and they have those conversations in open and vulnerable ways instead of like, I want this, I want that. But like, right. hey, let me listen to you and your fears because if an OB is telling you they're worried about your preeclampsia, it's because they're worried about your health and your future. It's not because Oh my gosh, so true. They want you to be, you know, it's not because they want you to be tied to an IV and stuck, right? Like they have reasons that they have the rules that they have. And so like if we as the page on the patient side are willing to listen to their concerns and they are willing to listen to our concerns usually that place in the middle is pretty great and works well for everybody. So good. So true. Absolutely. Even in class, sometimes yeah. people, you know, come back and my, my doctor wants to do A, B, and C. I'm like, well, tell me why. And then they actually give me, you know, a list of comorbidities. It's like, well, we need to, we need to, yeah, sounds, sounds good. good. <laughs> it sounds like a good plan. I think yeah. your doctor's this doing is, the right thing. This is evidence-based. <laughs> she is, or he is, you know, working in your best interest. So it's absolutely true, Susie, that we have to alleviate their fear when there's something outside of what, what I call normal average. Those comorbidities mm. like diabetes or hypertension or chronic hypertension or preeclampsia so on and so forth. That's so great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask a very leading question, Okay. but Susie, since you have your economics background and you love to do research, mm-hmm. um, have you seen anecdotally in the clients that you teach as well as you know, in research that there's um, an impact of birth education for the outcome of the birth? Yeah. Does that, does that question yeah. make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So there is a study that is published in the International Journal of Gynecology and Obstetrics, and they looked at um, outcomes of surgical births. Um, so they were just looking at basically asking the question, if someone takes a childbirth class, are they more likely or less likely to have have a surgical birth or a vaginal birth? 
and they found that it did make a very big difference. Um, For the participants in the study, the women who took a childbirth class um, were 80% likely to go on to have a vaginal birth. And the control group who did not take the childbirth class um, only, hold on, I'm actually looking right now. It was 58% of the moms had a a vaginal delivery. So 80% for people who took a childbirth class, clearly we're not saying it guarantees an outcome, but you are changing your odds 50, 58%, about 60% is not that much different than flipping a coin, where 80% is, you know, you still need to have all those other skills for how to talk to your doctor and be aware that birth is challenging. And it does sometimes, your plans do need to change and you do need to be able to adapt to the situation. But um, coming in with education makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know it doesn't say this in the study, but do you think that the edge, like the source of the education matters, like whether it's a hospital-based birth class versus a, someone who's done childbirth, you know, certificate, sorry, certified in childbirth education or a doula or someone who yeah, that's maybe a has question. a more outside perspective? Yeah. I think that it's really important for people teaching about childbirth to actually be attending births or to have a history of attending births because I think, you know, when I read a hypnobirthing book and I I don't want to like critique the hypnobirthing method too much because I have had people that have gone and taken hypnobirthing classes from certified teachers and had excellent births. But I think the book that I read was taught by somebody who based her whole method off of her birth experiences, which is one person's experience in one location, in one set of circumstances, basically. And I think that birth has so many variations, and there are so many variations of normal, and there are so many variations of challenges, that it's really important that we're finding information from people who understand the variety, the different ways that things can unfold, and that understand, you know, a little bit more more deeply how do you how do you really prepare for something that can feel as uncertain as childbirth. So I will say from from my clients that I've worked with, I've seen people take a wide variety of classes and I've seen people have success with a wide variety of different classes. I think it is important, though, to find classes taught by people that are either nurses, doulas, midwives. There's even some some good classes, online classes that are taught by OBs, um, just so that you're getting advice from somebody whose values are hopefully in line with you. I think in, in that with that given criteria, you can find somebody whose values align with yours. And also right. who understands the different the different ways that your birth can unfold and can help you see that in a, a good, a positive light. So great. Well, well said. said. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, well, I have a question, unless you want to say something. No, I'm, I'm captivated. I love this. Please continue. <laughs> okay. I have a question for all of us. Um and to kind of give a little teaser for our audience and to uh, just dangle the carrot of birth education in front of everybody, um, what is something that someone, either your client or uh, actually, yes, definitely your client, has said to you either right after the class or after their birth as like a positive testimonial where they've said like, I would not have been able to go through labor if I didn't know that information or it just like blew their mind. Like what? No one ever told me that. Or I couldn't find that on any YouTube video that I watched. There's so many, so many things that aren't just sort of these big earth shattering things. Sometimes I just tell people (laughs) your water break can, you know, can your water can break anytime. 
Like, what do you mean? I mean, you could be completely dilated or not in labor at all. They're yep. like, well, I thought your water breaks and that's when you're in labor. I'm like, not necessarily true. So there's so many it's little... The movies, right, right, Joe, right. But- <laughs> it's not television. It's not television birth. So sometimes it's just the simplest little things. Like you can ask for a hip lock. That is a catheter put in your arm that can be capped off. You don't have to walk around with IV fluid. I don't. I thought I had to be hooked up. I'm putting quotes in the air, audience. Um, I said, no, you don't have to be. In fact, there's all those little details that people have in their head that sometimes are just completely far outside what's necessary. It's the way that sometimes we medicalize a birth that doesn't need to be. Like, why does that patient have IV fluid running? She's early in labor and eating and drinking. It's just a habit. We also have to educate our nurses yeah. to ask those questions to alleviate patient of unnecessary intervention. And that can be something as simple as IV fluids. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What's yours, Susie? Um, what, are, what are people often interested in finding out? <laughs> um, I think one of the things that I... I have heard multiple times from people who have taken my class is that they say, you taught me that I have an internal pain relief system and I now know how mm-hmm. to use it. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about pain relief and labor, there's a lot of different options. And one of them is always, how am I going to cope with these sensations? And to know that like, hey, your body's actually set up so that you know, it might be very strong, but you're also very strong in your body's setup for you to be able to also have some internal relief um, is really, really valuable. I, I know one of my, my first clients, when she started the course, she was like, I don't know what type of birth I want. I have no idea. I was like, okay, we'll just start, go through the course and we'll talk. Um, I always do for my students, we do two virtual one-on-ones so people get two hours of of like hey let's talk through your birth plan let's talk through your your hopes wishes desires challenges and just give you a a, a point of where you can talk through some of that Um, and she went on to to choose a natural birth and it was really powerful for me to see you know my first birth I had been pushed towards the natural birth and I chose an epidural and I remember feeling bad about that choice because I felt like I was supposed to do things one way, which is not true ever. And I hope nobody perpetuates that. Um, right. But it was really positive for me to hear her say like, hey, I chose this from a place of feeling really empowered and really inspired by my body and really in awe and wonder at what this whole process was. And then to see her or to hear her after talk about what her experience was like and how it gave her such so much confidence in herself and um, to learn to to work with her body that way was really cool. And um, I love when I hear, hear similar things. And I think even for moms that do choose epidurals, it's really important to know that, hey, you also have resources inside that you can use through this process. Fantastic. That's awesome. So great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. For me, I a lot of um, my clients, because I'll see them for lactation afterwards too, so I get to see them postpartum, and they're like, oh my gosh, when you taught us, like we used counter pressure the whole time. And if I right. didn't, like this is the husband telling me, you know, if, if I didn't know how to do counter pressure, like she she would have hated me, (laughs) but, um, that is a huge tool that a lot of my clients use as well as just knowing that there's other positions to push in. Like, I don't know if this is a Southern California thing. I don't know, but it's, um, it's very much the, the image that when you push, you have to be on your back with your legs in the stirrups, pushed all the way back towards your ears. And that's the only way. And when I tell them like, actually, you could be in a different position. um, That's when they're like, wait, what? I can? Like, yeah, 
and, and you're not allowed. Like you just can because you're you and you have autonomy and you're a person. Yeah, the whole permission that, thing's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Decisions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I have so enjoyed our talk, Susie. Is there any last um, thought you want to share? Um, and then I also want you to tell people how they could find you on where are you are you on are you online or are you in person classes where are you tell us all about you yeah so if you want to follow along um you can find me on instagram at she births bravely um our class my class is just at learn.shebirthsbravely.com i also have a fun little quiz on my website that what does your birth plan say about your personality oh and it's, I think it's really fun. Um, it also kind of helps you see, start the, the process of that self-discovery and, you know, what's unique about you and what are the places where um, you can, you know, like be really proud of, like based on, on the choices that you make for your birth. Um, and that's just at shebirthsbravely.com. You can see there's like a little thing at the top that's for the quiz. Sounds like fun. I can't um, wait to see that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I just hope that if you're, if you're listening to this still, that you know that you, you do have all the tools you need to do this and you are um, way, way more capable than you ever imagined. And no matter how your birth unfolds, that um, you are an incredible mother and the perfect mother for your baby and that whatever challenges come your way, you are more than capable of rising to them. Fantastic. Thank you so Amazing. much. Thank you. Interesting. I'm just one more thing. Do you do online or in person yeah. or both? Um, my childbirth class is online. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the, after you sign up, there's a place where you can like book a spot on my calendar. You get two, two one hour sessions to kind of talk through what you're learning. If you have any questions, um, otherwise we do like a birth plan review and make sure that you leave kind of knowing how to communicate your plan really well. Fantastic. Sounds so great. I'm so glad you're up there. You know, we talked before we started, I'd love Seattle. I go up there frequently and, um, it sounds like um, you've got a great thing going on up there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Susie. That was great. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as birthnurseliz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.